Welcome to Indonesia dan Lain-Lain. This is a podcast about everything you need to know about Indonesia. I'm Erin Cook. I run subscription service Dari Mulut Kemulut, and I'm a freelance journalist here in Jakarta. And I'm here today with my ex-boss. Hayat Indriatno. I am an editor with the Manga Bay Environmental News website, and it's great to be back here with Erin, my former protege. And I'm glad you're sticking around here in Indonesia for Indonesia dan Lain-Lain. Okay, we've got a great show for you lined up today, all about the election that's coming up next month. Uh, but before we get into that, there's uh, actually a couple of stories, really interesting stories that Erin uh, and I uh, feel that uh, you should probably uh, know about, about Indonesia. Yeah, so the one for me is uh, one that's breaking today, actually. So we're recording this Monday night, and this came through late Monday evening. The arrest of the Democratic Party's Deputy Secretary General, Andia Reef on drug charges in West Jakarta. Um, have you been following this one? Yes, I have been. It's a very curious case because, uh, okay, uh, just in case you guys uh, want to know the seedy details about it, uh, Andy Arif, um, very high-ranking uh, Democratic Party uh, official, uh, arrested late on Sunday night, early Monday morning at a hotel with a woman and uh, a certain amount of uh, crystal meth, also known as Shabu down here. <laughs> Yeah, and police aren't saying too much about it just yet, but I think um, the writing's kind of on the wall for this one. Is that fair? I would say that's very fair to say. Uh, right now, because uh, I'm sure you know, Aaron, that Arif is, Andy Arif is actually a vocal critic of uh, Jokowi, the president. Yeah, he's gone him a few times, hasn't he? Yes. Uh, like most recently, the con- controversy about him was that he claimed there were seven container loads of uh, fake ballots that had been punched for Jokowi waiting at the port. Yes, I forgot about this one. And that kind of spun up a lot of um, the anti-Jokowi, anti-Chinese rhetoric as exactly. well, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that this happened to him now that the police specifically went after him in this one hotel room and you you have to question you know so you think something more is going to come out about this i think you know to tell the truth i i think this is part of a pattern we've seen you know the authorities go after a lot of critics of jokowi yeah and at, you know you could say it's a coincidence you could say it's just the police doing their job but uh you know there's you know Interesting things being written about, you know, how uh, the Jokowi administration has taken up an authoritarian turn. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say that that's the case, but, you know, where there's smoke. That's it. Like, it's as you're saying, it's been five years of creeping towards this sort of uh, the crackdowns against critics. Do you agree, though, with uh, Jarindra's uh, Deputy Secretary General, um, I think he is, Arif Puyono? Yeah, Sorry he, if I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, he said the the most boneheaded thing he <laughs> It's it's okay. It's uh, you know the reverse of victim blaming here. It's it's, it's more like a grievance uh, thing. Uh, he said uh, that Andy Arif is actually the victim of Jokowi's failure to tackle the drug problem. I think that's amazing. Gurindra might not be winning an election anytime soon, but they're uh, definitely working pretty hard to spin it. Yeah, it's very, there's so many ways you can spin. It's like every single time one of uh, Prabowo's supporters gets arrested. There's, there's always some crazy spin on it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in this case, yeah, the spin is crazy, but then the arrest in itself is also a bit suspect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, particularly given that we still don't know what charges he's on, what he was caught with, and there have already been photos of him leaked from from within jail. Like that's yeah, uh, that, not yeah, a good sign. Not a good sign at all. The, my favorite photo is him sitting at a table with a box of McDonald's fried chicken. 
Oh, so he's doing all right then. He's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, he's loving it. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> oh, that is a shocker. All right. So, what's your story? Yours is a. Yeah, it's actually a story that we at Manga Bay have been uh, following for quite some time. Um, Erin, you know that like uh, Indonesia is like home to orangutans, right? Of course, famous for it. Yeah, famous for orangutans. Uh, would you hazard a guess how many orangutan species are there? I did not even consider that there'd be more than one kind of orangutan. Okay. Uh, for the longest time, there was only two, Sumatran and Bornean. Uh, yep. And now, uh, two years ago, they discovered a third, the Tapanuli orangutan. How does this happen? How do they just randomly discover? Well, uh, apparently they got different features and they're isolated yeah. in this one forest in, in North Sumatra, the Batang Toru forest. Yeah. And uh, okay, that's great for them. But the problem is uh, there's a hydroelectric power plant going to go up in that very forest. Yep. And so environmental activists have actually sued the developer Yep. Uh, on the grounds that their environmental permit was forged. A signature on their environmental <laughs> permit was forged. And we've been following the case. And today, a court in North Sumatra, unfortunately, threw out that lawsuit. And what's the court's reasoning that it's better to be building infrastructure than saving endemic well, they didn't go that far. What they, uh, they, the point is that they didn't consider even the evidence that the signature had been forged. So that, that wasn't even in their ruling. So uh, the environmental group that's uh, filed the lawsuit is actually going to appeal this. And so, yeah, hopefully the evidence gets considered at the appeal stage and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, with the appeal, does it get kicked uh, further up the chain in Sumatra or does it come in to... In Sumatra, it's, it's, yeah. it's going to be uh, in the high court in Sumatra. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a story that... Because uh, this is uh, the Tapanuli orangutan, it's it's important to stress, is the world's most endangered great ape. Yeah. Okay. So you know you've got chimpanzees, you've got the various species of uh, gorillas, you've got bonobos. All these are in Africa. In Asia, there's only one type of great ape, and that's the orangutan. And all three of yeah. them are found in Indonesia. And if we lose one, then that's it's yeah. such a huge loss for biodiversity. And um, yeah, so uh, eight hundred of these apes, all concentrated in one forest, and this forest could be destroyed by this hydroelectric power plant. God, and given that the permit sounds like it was forged, it's just a yeah. bad story all around. It's just a bad story all around. Uh, and so uh, the researcher who uh, whose signature was forged, he was in charge of, um, you know, um, uh, documenting all the species that, that were supposed to be in that forest and that would be aff affected by yeah. the project. And he revealed that uh, a lot of those species weren't even uh, included in the final document that was approved. So we're not just talking about orangutans. We're talking about rhinos. Uh -huh. We're talking about uh, tigers. We're talking about a whole bunch of endangered yeah. and protected species. Yep, stuff yeah. that Indonesia then likes to go tell the rest of the world. Yes, exactly. You have. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So, yeah, not, not a good precedent if this uh, decision stands, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, something comes up. Yeah, but, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. All right, so shall we crack into pill press? Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, so this podcast is looking at everything you need to know about Indonesia. But of course, uh, with the presidential election next month, for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking pretty closely at um, everything you need to know about about the election. Um, today, I think we'll just have a bit of a, an overlook of the election and kind of see where we're at, get everybody else up to speed. Yeah, absolutely. So Hyatt, I started working for you the week of Jokowi's inauguration. So I feel like I've seen the whole, been that long? whole first term, but this isn't your first no. election by any stretch. No, no. <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be really interesting this time around, Erin. Uh, and and, and uh, you know, I, I say that in the context of, of what came before. Mm. So uh, 
Indonesia has been an independent republic for you know almost 74 years this year, right? Uh, but this is only the fourth free election that, that we've had since the Reformasi era began. Uh, and so this is going to be important for for so many reasons. Uh, w- one thing that that you'll notice about this election is that it's pretty much a repeat of last the last election. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of the the same faces that I struggled to learn in 2014, and <laughs> now feel like I intimately know. Right. So if you look at the top of the ticket, you know you've got uh, Jokowi on one side, the incumbent. Uh, he's got a new running mate, uh, uh, Maruf Amin, who's the he's basically the number one. Islamic cleric or ulama in Indonesia. Absolutely. And I read a lot that um, uh, a lot of the analysis and the coverage from within Indonesia says that he's ultra, ultra powerful. Is that correct? Is that fair? He is influential, I would say, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, as the head of the MUI, the the Indonesian... uh, Ulema Council. It's uh, he's been very influential in issuing fatwas on, on things like halal uh, food, halal medicine, that sort of right. thing. So, he- so uh, the difference being that at the MUI, he was uh, that was really a figurehead role. It it had no uh, uh, no binding authority. Yeah. So none of its fatwas or anything could could actually be passed into law. Yeah. Right. So it's a huge difference between that and vice president. A huge difference. Right. Yeah. And then. Um, I think maybe we should mention that the reason that uh, Maruf is running this time and, and Joko is not picking uh, his current uh, vice Yusuf. president, Yusuf Kala, yeah. is because Yusuf Kala is in his second stint as vice president. And so constitutionally, he's uh, barred from running again. Yes, I saw this. So he tried to have a go at, or somebody on his behalf went up to the constitutional court and tried, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a goer. Why? It wasn't a goer and he wasn't even in support of it anyway. Yeah, he yeah. didn't seem to, to want it. So did yeah. How's he and Jokwe gone though? Have they been a good, good they, combo? They've gotten they've gotten along well. Kala's uh, one of those people that's always behind the scenes. Uh, yeah. He tends to keep a low profile, uh, but he, you know, he's been an effective vice president. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, how does Maruf compare? Would he be a Yusuf Kala? Uh, I don't know. I think if I can say it at this point, I think he looks a bit much more power hungry than Yusuf Kala. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't think he he's gonna want to stand in the shadows. All right, I think we'll have to circle back to that at some point. Yeah. Okay, and, and then on the other side, you've got the same face from 2014, which is Prabowo Subianto, former Special Forces General, former son-in-law of uh, 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 President Suharto, uh, former lots of things, actually. Yes. Yeah, and uh, his running mate this time uh, is a much younger person. So last time he was uh, running with uh, the PAN chairman, uh, Hato Rajasa. Much older gentleman, uh, chairman of the PAN party. And this year, much younger person from his own party, Sandiaga Uno. Yes, Ganteng, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Sa- Sandiaga Uno, very, you know, high-profile high profile businessman. Um, you know, he's... Uh, Every every single photo sh- uh, photo I've seen of him, he's sweating because he's just finished jogging. This is what I don't understand. He's um, either in a passar speaking to somebody who's selling chicken or wearing bike shorts. Yes, and sweating on sediment. Yeah, but that that's his. I guess you know when you're a millionaire like him, and that's that's your only way. You don't to, have to worry about looking like. Yeah, and then you gotta people. look like the rest of the people. So that's his <laughs> way of doing it, I guess. Yeah. So uh, very interesting because. Uh, uh, you, you see an interesting contrast between the two uh, vice presidential candidates. Yep. Given that the top of the ticket is the same, mm. uh, what's really, what personally I find really interesting about this election this time around is the vice presidential candidates. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like I know that it was um, 
both vice presidential picks were quite shocking and mm-hmm. unexpected and both picked on the final day. Yes, um, exactly. Maruf shocked me, but San Diego really shocked me because it looked so much like it was going to be Agus Yudhoyono and then Arnix mm-hmm. Basweed and, and then suddenly it was Sandy. Yeah. How? What's your pet theory on how that came about? Well, it, it's... I wouldn't say it's my bad theory. I mean, it's, it's uh, a lot of people's bad theory is that uh, in Prabowo's case, no one would pony up the money. Because uh, in 2014, Prabowo got his brother, uh, Hashim Joyohadi uh, Kusumo, a very wealthy businessman. He's got yeah. holdings in all kinds of things. Uh, so he pretty much uh, bankrolled Prabowo's 2014 bid, mm-hmm. and that f- fizzled out. And he wasn't too keen this time around. So Prabowo had to go looking somewhere for the money. Right. Well, why does Prabowo still want to be president? Why, if... The money's running a bit thin. Maybe that's a sign that it's not these chances aren't so good. Well, he, he, what choice does he have? I mean, uh, he, he's like the perennial, you know, the bridesmaid to be, right? Yep. And so, um, you know, I, I think he's tired. I personally think he's he's actually tired of it and yep. he wants to quit. But then there's no way to do it and save faith. So he's just yep. gonna give it this like one last. Well, that's go. a really good point. Like I feel like we've seen Sandy out. Uh, he loves a blusa khan at the Passa, oh, and we it. rarely see Prabowo outside of Jakarta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. Uh, it's uh, Sandy's the one doing all the legwork here because yeah. I, I think uh, Sandy and uh, he's got this understanding, perhaps better than most people, that maybe this is not their race to win, mm. but he can at least set the groundwork for yeah. uh, you know twenty twenty four. Well, that's interesting because I was, um, I was surprised when he bailed from the Jakarta vice governorship to take this up is was running for vice governor of Jakarta uh, a similar sort of motivation for him a stepping stone uh, I think it was a stepping stone but not for Sandy interestingly enough yeah. I think it was supposed to be a stepping stone for Anis Ish. Yeah. Anis is not even the bridesmaid never the bride no. he's the he wasn't even usher. invited yeah no. oh. yeah poor guy uh, but you know uh Sandy is a very opportunistic guy. I mean, he, there's no way he'd be a millionaire if he wasn't. Uh, you know, he's he's yeah. a smart guy. You got to give him that. And uh, he's really pushed his branding. He's really getting his name and his face out there. So uh, very interesting to see how how the, these two stack up. And actually, the next debate coming up uh, will feature the vice presidential candidates. Yes, I think that's going to be a real weird one. Uh, so Maruf um, went very, very viral in that first one where he barely said a word and just uh, yeah. agreed with everything Jokowi had to say. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I'm sure we'll get to it later in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but uh, I think that's going to be Maruf's not going to come off looking too good in that one. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. Just given the way that Sandy's a very good public speaker. He's got yeah. a very polished image. And I suppose he's been doing it yeah. for a long time in a different way to the way Maruf's been doing it absolutely, for a long Absolutely, absolutely. Because, you know, uh, you, you can see the difference in the way Maruf talks. He's, he looks like he's lecturing a bunch of madrasa kids, yeah. which is literally what, what he does. He does, yeah. exactly. And so uh, Sandy, he's used to giving presentations to international investors. He's used to talking to all kinds of people. So, yeah. you know, he's got a much more polished style and... Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's it's going to be very interesting. How does the race so far compare to uh, previous years? I know twenty fourteen was very very exciting, but yes. what about prior to that? Well, prior to that, the you know you do know both uh, one uh, both the first two elections. Yeah. Those are blowouts, so uh, you know not that exciting. Yeah. yeah, I mean exciting at the time, obviously. Oh, uh, for the much larger. Yes, yep. yes, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know when you look at last year, uh, sorry, last uh, last election twenty fourteen. 
That was the closest in Indonesian history. It's like a difference of six percentage points yep. between the candidates. I know in other countries, six percentage point difference might not sound like much, but here that's been the clo- that's razor thin. Yes, I want to ask you about this because I get in a. I want, I want to ask someone about this, and you're here. Yeah. Um, so I hear this a lot that the fact that it was only six percent um, kind of shows how divided Indonesia is, and all this. Is there a case to be made that maybe? That closing is just a uh, a correction of democratic norms in Indonesia. That it's becoming essentially a centre right, centre left political system. I, I I don't know that that maybe we can draw that sort of uh, you know that, that that equivalency with the the spec the political spectrum that yep. you see in Western countries, the, yep. the right and left, because all politicians in Indonesia are f- essentially to the right. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So. Um, it's I I don't think uh, that would be a, a fair equivalency. Yep. But but I what I would say is that it was because the last election I I feel it was so close because uh, we had the incumbent leaving he was not yep. running again you do know, and you had this untested quantity in Jokowi, yeah who'd only just begun serving as Jakarta governor, uh, so there's a lot of hype about him and then you had Prabowo who who was this this figure from the blast from the past basically yeah 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 so uh you know you had these two dark horses essentially in the race and so it was anyone's at that point to take yeah so Roy morgan polling has just released um some new numbers and it looks like it's going to be much wider margin this time around in favor of jokowi again yeah i, I saw their uh, poll result they said uh 58 they're uh, you know they pulled a thousand and something people 58 percent for jacoey yep. uh 42 percent for Prabowo. so that would be a margin of 16 percent, right yeah and i think that's really interesting that uh roy morgan's got it much wider than some of the local polling but it's still very much in line with jockey's well ahead yeah i would say because he's always been well uh, actually you could say that you could see this in various ways. You could say that Jokowi is still far ahead, you know, double-digit lead. Yep. Uh, but then you could also point to polls like last year that showed him 20% plus over Prabowo. Yep. So the Prabowo camp could spin this as, you know, uh, Prabowo was closing in. And, you know, uh, that was the pattern that we saw in 2014, actually. Right. So you wouldn't be that surprised to see that that gap shorten a yes. little bit more. Yep. Yes. And I think you'll see it close even faster uh, once the open campaigning starts. Open campaigning is when they're allowed to hold rallies and, and like, uh, put adverts in the TV, radio, uh, the big, newspapers. Um, the big concerts at Gebeka. Right. Exactly. Yep. So that's only allowed a month before the election. And so... Uh, that was when uh, Prabowo really stole his march on, on yeah. Jokowi last time around. Would you anticipate that? Like, I, I feel like it's been a bit lackluster from Prabowo so far. It's been a bit lackluster, but the, uh, you got to give it to the guy. He knows how to rally a crowd. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what really got him so close to within touching distance yeah. last time. Yeah, right. There's um, some interesting data from from the same poll about the division between urban and rural votes. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised um, to see that urban voters are much, much closer on um, Prabowo Jokowi than uh, rural voters, which are very much in favour of Jokowi. And I think the the common assumption for us in foreign media is the um, the, the inner cities, the cities, well-educated middle class are all pro Jokowi, but that's not quite true. Is no, that- that's not quite true at all. Uh, actually, uh, there have been local polls done uh, where they, they look at uh, voter preferences based on the educational achievement. And they found that the more educated people are, they, the more they tend towards uh, Prabowo. Ah, that's interesting. What do you think that motivation? Um, I can't, I, I really can't say. It's, yeah. it's something that's very... Uh, 
I, it's it's a mystery at this point. But yep. um, I don't know. Maybe Prabowo represents uh, the old school, the old guard. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the the more educated people. And and uh, this is a generalization, so. Um, you know, you take it for what it is. No one at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I think maybe the older people that they're polling tend to be from that generation. Yep, yep. Where yeah. things were kind of well off for yes. them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was also surprised with the gender breakdown. Both genders, the way it's worked out, are leaning towards Jokowi. Mm-hmm. But women um, a lot, quite a lot. Um, why do you think the women... When uh, Santiago got announced as vice president, the assumption was that all the women would run straight over right. to Rabo. That's not happening. No, that's not happening. Uh, it's you know, there there's only so much the, the there's only so far that your uh, your good looks will take you, <laughs> as uh, Sandy's finding out. Uh, I think uh, what, what does it for Jacoby uh, with, with the female voters is uh, you know he's got this image as a family man. Yeah, he's always out oh, and it's all about, about with his Yes, right. yeah, exactly, and then. Um, uh, there's this image being painted of Prabowo, and uh, it, it's unfortunate, but it's it's a lot of it is being done by uh, Jokowi supporters, um, maybe not you know official supporters, but but certainly supporters is of Prabowo being a failed family man because he had a divorce, his uh, son is living abroad. Yeah, uh, you know it's unfortunate that they're making it personal, but that does play into these you know these. This See, that's really perception. interesting because. Um, I, again, from the foreign media perspective, Prabowo's, um I think much more than in 2014, is now being kind of painted as he's got a pluralist family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he might be able to stave off the, the rising political Islam. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like last time around, uh, it was all about, you know, Jokowi's a secret Christian, he's yeah. a secret Chinese, he's yep. a communist and all that. And now everyone, every Friday, one of the top, uh, trending topics on Twitter is always Prabowo Jumatan Dimana. Where is yes. Prabowo having his Friday prayers? Right, so even though um, he's, you know, going to Saudi Arabia and promising yes. to bring back um, Habibi, it's not... Habibi? Yes. <laughs> Habib Rizik. Habib Rizik. It's not sticking for some people. It's not. Uh, uh, certainly for the hardline uh, among the among Jokowi supporters, they're really digging into Prabowo's um, uh, faith in, in a way that uh, the Prabowo supporters were doing to Jokowi yeah. uh, in 2014. So it's uh, it's really coming back to bite him. To yeah. This uh, this I guess could you could you call it identity politics? Yeah, I think there's um I feel like identity politics is complicated everywhere, but it's extra complicated here. Yeah, where you know there's just so many layers yes. to everything, and then like you throw in something like two one two, but still where's Prabowo today? Right, when he. Um, has been endorsed repeatedly by the organizations, organizers of the 212 demo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, now uh, Jokowi is not being uh, questioned about, about his uh, Muslim bona fides because he's got uh, um, uh, Maruf Amin with him. Uh, that he's, okay, he's closed off one avenue of attack, but then he's opened up a lot of others that Prabowo and, and his team can uh, attack. And that's, yeah. you know, things like the economy, he promised econ- economic growth of 70% per year. I think he must lay awake at night, every night, just saying, why? Why did I say that? Because it's just not quite yeah. getting there. Campaign promises will always come back to bite you. And so, yeah, and a lot of other things like human rights issues. He's, yeah. He hasn't wrapped up any human rights yeah, issues, yeah. which he promised. Uh, the environment, you know, he's ramping up palm oil. He's ramping up coal. Uh, yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, people can now attack Jokowi on uh, because they're not so focused on his religion. And yep. 
vice versa for Prabowo, there's a lot that they're going to attack him for religious-wise. So it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So with the background of Pill Press, we also have a bunch of uh, other elections going on, which are not getting as much attention. Um, Roy Morgan did polling on that as well for the uh, DPR, which is the House. The House, the House of Reps. Um, We'll get into parties later down the track. But... um, yeah, do you think there's going to be any exciting upsets? Or I, I think in terms of party, uh, the party elections, uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, you know parties have have uh, allied themselves either to Prabowo or to Jokowi, right? Yep. Uh, and I think some of them are doing so doggedly in the knowledge that they're not going to pass the parliamentary parliamentary threshold when that election comes. Right. So they're not going to have seats at the house, but at least their winner, their candidate, will have uh, a seat in the government. So that ensures them a yep. ministerial seat at least. All right, Hyde. I wasn't here last time around, mm-hmm. as you know, since you didn't hire me just yet. <laughs> but um, what what should everyone be keeping an eye on? What What are you keeping an eye on? I'm keeping an eye on, on the vice presidential race because yep. I think these guys are the are going to be the key. Uh, uh, Sandiaga and Maruf Amin. I think they're going to be the key. The two top tickets. The okay, we know who they are. These guys are the new fact, the it factor. So uh, yeah, that's definitely some yeah. the, the thing to watch. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I'll. I'm kind of interested in these new parties. I remember um, uh, when the PSI, Party Solidaritas mm-hmm. Indonesia, started up, you were a bit cynical about it, and we'll get into that soon. Uh, but um, stuff like that, yeah, the new things, I'm into it. Yeah, uh, definitely. A lot of new parties coming up, PSI. I'm still cynical about them, yep. uh, and I will remain so. <laughs> uh, I have no intention of changing my mind on that. Uh, and, yeah, uh, a lot of other exciting things to go on, like the Suhartos are mounting a comeback uh, with Bacaria. the Bacaria party. Yes. yes. Yeah, we'll definitely have to crack into that. Yeah. So those guys are going to ride in on a wave of nostalgia. We'll see how far that gets them. So we've got three debates right left? Yes, three debates left. All uh, right. So we'll be covering those yeah absolutely yes we'll keep it all here for you okay brilliant indonesia down line line is a production of gentle media our producers are lisa siragar and christabel palar our executive producer is buddy damawan our editor is satrio utomo i'm hyatt andriatno and i'm aaron cook and we'll see you next week sampai jumpa